Hello and welcome to Harold Hey, it's Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha. And today we're talking about Harold's Bar Mitzvah, written by Joseph Purdy, directed by Dan Povenmeyer, and Julie Murphy Hashiguchi. Beautiful last name, we love it. Um, we jump into Bar Mitzvahs and Judaism. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it was a great time. Um, and actually, for the first time in a while, we get pretty nerdy with critical theory, which I always love. Mm-hmm. Um and Arnold did a good job this week, uh, helping uh, helping someone out. He it didn't feel like he was butting in, which is yeah. Nice. We can't talk shit on Arnold this week. Nope. Maybe next week. Um, just a reminder. Uh, we have an email: hey.harnoldhay at gmail dot com. Um, rate and review, please. And also, if it sounds weird today, it's because we're in my room instead of my sister's. Uh, we're not at the lab. We're in Glendale instead of Fullerton, mm-hmm. which is a different place. Um. So we're in my tiny little room. Just getting closer and closer to Hollywood because of all those ratings and reviewings we've been getting. See? That's why they really matter. That's why they matter. From Orange County to the big city baby. Big city baby. Uh, Enjoy the episode. And um, yeah. Bye. Bye. In Harold's Bar Mitzvah, Harold is tasked with the challenge of growing into becoming a man. Uh, he is Jewish, as is revealed in this episode, and so he's going through his Bar Mitzvah. Uh, he runs into his friends who are playing ball right outside of his temple. Um, and as he's walking in to uh, meet with his rabbi, the kids are like, what is this? Uh, you're walking into this temple and you're carrying a book of words we don't understand and Harold says oh I'm studying for my bar mitzvah and Sheena then kind of describes oh this is Hebrew and it's um, kind of a very basic version of what the bar mitzvah is uh, which we basically hear what a bar mitzvah is like four times in this episode so they really hammer it in Um, uh, Harold ends up going in to see his uh, his rabbi um, who challenges him, um, saying, you're doing a great job, but do you know kind of the weight of what this is? And so he walks through what uh, what a bar mitzvah is, um, probably the millionth time for Harold, but the first time really for us. He walks through what righteousness is, what charity is, what prayer is. And then he kind of does a flashback for Harold. Well, the viewer gets the flashback um, of ancient times, uh, and it's the story that the rabbi is telling, uh, telling Harold, which is in ancient times, um, you, you know, 13 year olds would have to be adults. They would make decisions. They would be responsible. They could marry, have kids, have a job. Uh, and so he's, he then shifts it for Harold and says, for you, for your story, you have to learn what responsibility is. You're responsible. You're responsible for your actions. And so, you know, in a good way, the rabbi doesn't really guilt him, but he says, this is what you would have been, but that's not what we're doing. We're talking about responsibility. Um, so Harold kind of fakes confidence in this. Um, and he, he runs into his friends on the way out and says, kind of invites them to the bar mitzvah, says, you better be there. You better bring presents. And one asked, hey, are you nervous about this? And Harold's like, no, I got this. Cut to a nightmare 
a nightmare, which is the writers of Hey Arnold's favorite way to show uh, character development. Um, so it puts Harold in ancient times uh, with his rabbi, who's making him get water for the camels. And on each camel is one of his friends, Sheena, Arnold, Gerald, and Helga. And each of them kind of go through what it means to be a man um, and kind of layer on guilt and shame onto Harold so much so that his bucket of water uh, starts to grow so big that it crushes him with the weight of responsibility. So the next day, uh, Harold's getting dressed by his parents uh, in uh, in his bar mitzvah best, uh, and he decides he's got to get out of here. And so he packs up his suitcases and run and, and leaves. And he runs into Arnold, who is on the way to the bar mitzvah. Um, and Harold's like, I'm leaving. I'm going to get on a canoe and I'm going to go to Elk Island and live by myself. Uh, and Arnold, this is Arnold doing his, what he does best, which is try to fix the problem. So he ties himself to, Harold for the rest of the episode um, as Harold walks through kind of a living parable of his, the things he's struggling with, which is righteousness, charity uh, and prayer. And so he confronts a kid that's missing uh, near the bus stop and ends up um, showing the kid to his mom. So he helps this kid find his mom. Uh, and then he sees two kids fighting over a popsicle. And so Harold buys uh, an extra popsicle for these kids. And then he ends up um, getting on the bus with Arnold uh, and is threatened by a youth, uh, an angry delinquent, a delinquent who's going to beat him up. And so Harold prays and freaks out the kid who leaves. Um, And then they get to Elk, they get to the canoe rental to get to Elk Island. And Arnold's like, Harold, you, you've done it. Like the things you're afraid of, in your bar mitzvah, you just prove that you can do them in your real life. And Harold receives that and says, I'm still going to go to Elk Island. So Arnold goes back to uh, the temple and everyone's waiting, wondering, is Harold going to show up? And the rabbi begins to show some doubt that Harold is ready for the task. And Harold bursts open the doors and says, have faith, rabbi, I'm here to be a man, Uh, which is a really epic moment. Uh, for Harold, who's a huge baby, uh, the entire episode. Um, and then it cuts to uh, uh, the party where Harold kind of weighs both being an adult, all the responsibility that he's met up with, but then also being too young to rent a canoe. Um, his mom shows like has such pride in him, but then uh, Harold basically screams for his mommy because he got his hat taken. So you see um, this like adulthood and childhood smashing together. uh, And then it ends with a really lovely uh, Jewish traditional Jewish dance um, where Harold's having a good time in the center of all these people dancing around him. Uh, And that's the episode. Uh, It's adorable. It's a great entry into um, Jewish tradition, specifically the bar mitzvah. Um, And they do a really good job of explaining it. Uh, in a really succinct way for kids who have no idea what it is. And that's it. Yeah. It's a good episode. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of like little comedic moments that are really good. And I think you're totally right. It does do a really good job of a a very sort of succinct definition of like, but like, yeah, very introductory, um, 
explanation of Judaism. But, um, it, but it, I feel like it doesn't do it in a way that um, is talking down to the viewer or no, not at all about Judaism. It feels like it, it feels natural. It feels like a thing that a kid would mostly pick up on would right, be these right. tenets and these things. And it, it, it feels like like when he's explaining the bar mitzvah to Harold, it feels like he's explaining it to Harold and not to us. But in turn, yeah. we learn it as well. Totally. It's not it doesn't feel like blues clues where they're like talking to the audience. There's no like yeah, fourth yeah, yeah. wall being broken, even though there are plenty of shows that have kind of these very special episodes that could be that way, but it's not. It, it, it ends up being... There's, like, clearly a utility to it. Yes, There's, like, yes. an edu- obvious educational component to right. it. But it's also completely embedded within the narrative and just as, like, further character development right. for him. Right, So it makes sense. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do we want to go into the the meat of it or no? Yeah. So the scene, I think... It's really short, um, but it, I think, gives us a good starting point for what the... Kind of the... I don't know if irony is the right word, but the the places that this story goes against itself, um, which is at the end, Arnold's like, well, why'd you come back? Uh, you seem pretty set on going. And Harold brings up the, the way in which he is an adult, but also not an adult at mm-hmm. the same time. So let's listen to it and then we can talk about it. Hey, Harold, you surprised me. You showed up and you were great. There's just one thing I gotta know. What happened to Elk Island? They wouldn't rent me a canoe. I was too young. It's weird. I'm old enough to have all kinds of responsibility, but I can't rent a canoe. Look at him, our little man. No more acting like a kid anymore. Hey, give me back my yarmulke! Mommy! that's a really short clip which doesn't it doesn't have much that it says but i think it actually kind of summarizes the whole episode pretty pretty nicely which is becoming an adult is complicated um and in some ways as you grow older responsibility is important and learning that is going to happen but it doesn't happen all at once and even for um even for a tradition that views a specific age as this symbol of adulthood, there's still room for flexibility and understanding. And, and I don't know what, I don't know what it was like in ancient times. Um, if that flexibility was still there, but in contemporary times that it has to be the case because there are laws about age of age of consent, age of buying alcohol, going to war, all these things that are so weighted in our contemporary community. So, Today, this very traditional age thing um, has to allow for some more flexibility. Yeah, and I think, so I think right off the bat, there's like the visual uh, element of this that's very obvious, which is like his belly showing, even though he puts on a nice suit. Right. So, and I think that while that's kind of like a goofy little bit that they do, it is actually, I think, representative of just growing up generally. So, like, whether or not mm. there's, like, these, like, legalistic view of it, which is, like, there's rules that you follow, and then there you sort of phase into becoming an adult legally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, there's, like, a thing that even, say, past 25, when you're basically able to do anything that you want right. within reason legally. And... Um, but you still realize that, like, although you're aging, like, you basically feel the same. Yeah. And, like, you're accumulating experiences and hopefully knowledge as well. Right. So you do change. But, like, a lot of you and who you are stays exactly the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think um, 
part of it is like, and I guess this is mean to him, but the ugliness of your personality um, sticks around as well. So like you, his belly showing is not a good look, right, but like right. it stays with him and his like giant everybody. tooth in front of his mouth. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So like if you have anger issues or if you have um, whatever your sort of insecurities or flaws are, like they're going to stick with you. Um, the thing that I really liked about this episode generally, and it's sort of like a really great nod to Judaism or uh, religion generally, I guess, is the like how deliberative everything or uh, deliberate everything is. So mm-hmm. like instead of it just kind of like you becoming an adult and there are those sort of cliche moments of like sitting down, you know, parents sitting down with kids and we're like, you're not a kid anymore. Like, you know, yeah. you got to take care of yourself and you get like all those things. But there's something about th- the way that through the episode that he's sort of like guided through the process of growing up and there's like a meditative component to it and like an act, not academic, but an intellectual part of it where you have to like study and learn how to become mm-hmm, an adult. Mm-hmm. And so it's ritualistic, but it's also an intellectual thing and it's very community driven and mm-hmm, collective. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like the biggest thing I noticed in this episode generally. And it to me harkens back to the episode with Gerald or, um, yeah, Gerald, where he wants to move away from home and live mm, on his own. Mm. And it's like this romant- like romanticizing isolation and mm. like sol- solitude mm. um, and the flaws that go along with that. So for him to go, I don't like all this stuff, all these things that society is imposing on me and I don't want to grow up. I'm Therefore, I'm going to go to Elk Island where nobody's going to tell me what to do. Yeah, it's very similar to Gerald's experience too. Totally. Right, right. And I think people have that sort of like like uh people more generally just have that sort of thinking as well like i think a lot of people in very rural environments that Mm. seek those environments out probably like the idea of like them being able to do Mm. what they want on their own terms and there's this like romanticized version of like um individuality which there's something to that time alone but also there's a lot of it's very fruitful to be around other people and people can actually help you so like his rabbi's helping him become an adult right and becoming like a a jewish man Mm. Arnold is sort of helping him yeah, through the process yep, yep. as well. And then even like a small note that or part that you could miss is sort of um, like the amenities of living in a society and a culture. So like mm-hmm. he's standing outside wanting to go away to Elk Island, right? Which is a basically just an island, like right, barren right. island more or less. And he gets distracted by ice cream. So like mm. this is a small thing that like another yeah, person yeah. is able to provide for him that he really loves mm. that he would not be able to get on his own totally, and does not exist totally. on Elk Island. Well, and even the even the, the so it's material, but it's still the barrier for him to go to this place alone. Um, you know, giving him giving him this like oh you have to be a certain age to rent a canoe. Like that barrier is there because even though he's technically responsible for his actions because he is a teenager. Um, people in society have decided it's not good for man to be alone. I mean, uh, no man is an Island is like, uh, 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 it's interesting having it tied to this Island makes that phrase. Yeah. Kind of mean something in this, like you can't be alone. Um, and so slowing him down from getting there, even if it's going to take eight years before you can rent one, that's still a good, a good stop. And what's the other thing I would think is, this show does talk a lot about community. Oh, totally. Um, and so even, you know, Helga, the one where she um, dreams that she uh, basically disappeared and everyone's happy. Like she realizes, Oh, it's better to be with others. Even if I don't really like them than for me to be gone. Um, or when Arnold loses his hat, um, he loses his sense of self, but 
everyone else still sees him as Arnold. And so there's this like individualistic wall that he's put up and he doesn't allow the community to enter in. And so I think every character goes through some kind of isolationist conversation. Um, and this is another good one. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, another thing I really liked was, uh, Harold's sort of like his like inherent simplicity as a character like allows him to like express himself in a way that is so honest and truthful that yes. like very few people would even have that own personal insight. Hmm. So I could see people like you, somebody that gets married and gets cold feet or whatever, and they can blame all these reasons why yeah, like, yeah. I'm just not ready. Yeah. I'm not ready. It's this other person, all these qualities, blah, blah, blah. When a lot of the things are probably with just issues that person has yeah. with themselves. And growing up, they have to do, and they just don't want to right, do. Right. And he very clearly just says, I don't want to grow up. Yes. And yes. very few people would even make such a statement as that because it, it it's so simplistic, but it's so honest that it's even scary to say something like that out loud because mm. he, he maybe doesn't recognize, recognize it immediately, but it's not the right way to feel. Right. You know right. I mean? It's... Right. And he, even the things that he doesn't totally understand, like when he's talking about like, oh, this kid's crying. Let me put him with this other person that's crying. There is some sort of, like, evolutionary... Like, he's just so honest. It's, like, almost that... autistic, though, the way that he... It's, like, so hyper-rational. Yes, he yes. can't put it together, but he does still understand. Yes, he understands that there's something... That these two are sharing and suffering. Yeah. And that bringing them together is... May solve the problem. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, and, and I also, like... They don't do this with all three of the, you know, steps of becoming a man. Um, but... I like that righteousness that's that suffering leads to righteousness Mm -hmm. because Harold unites these people, which is righteous. It's, it's a good Mm -hmm. thing that he united the kid and his mom, but then he misses his bus and he says, I wouldn't have missed the bus if I hadn't put these two together, but there's something actually very holy about that, that he like, yeah, you missed the thing, but you did something good. And, and that, that, there is like ancient tradition, you know, we could go as far as saying there's like the, like a, a kar- karmic yin and yang, like it balances out. But then even from a Jewish Judeo-Christian perspective, um, the teaching is that suffering leads to righteousness and righteousness leads to suffering. And so you see that in that moment, very uh, practical and rational. It's not a... Um, beautiful symbol it's just like oh he missed his bus but he at least he got the kid to the mom like that's a good thing totally and and i think there are some obviously some religious traditions where to achieve some level of holiness or whatever um you do have to isolate yourself mm-hmm. but judaism isn't one of those no no yeah so whether you're like hasidic or you're not it like there's like community and yeah. and connecting with others is paramount it's mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's a necessity mm. um to a large degree yeah yeah, um, Harold is just the most annoying. <laughs> His voice is like so jarring, and it, it, it's like nails on a chalkboard. But the, I think, I'm here to be a man, or whatever thing. When he bursts through the the temple doors, is the best line of the whole thing. It's very adorable. It's yeah, it's it's great. Super funny. It, well, it makes it makes that line more powerful hearing it from him because he's such a baby. Yeah, um, and he still sounds like a baby yeah. as he's saying it, which is I so need great. A man. Yeah, 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 and you know he. I think that makes the whole episode he's the best character to put in this situation because mm-hmm. even when he's done learning how to be a man, he's still not a man. He's still yeah, yeah. A, 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 and he looks like a big baby. Like he has a bald head. He has 
one big tooth coming in. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't fit his clothes. He's growing so fast, like every little baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it it's kind of the perfect, I hate the word juxtaposition. It's so overused, but that like, it is the best mm-hmm. um, non-man to be in this. And, and I think they've done that in interesting ways with other characters that don't involve such explicit, explicit conversations about manhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is the most explicit they've done and it fits really well. Um, and yeah, so interesting to see Arnold kind of be the guide in this. I mean, he, he sort of is like the wise, I mean, the rabbi takes that position first and then Arnold steps in when the rabbi is done with his work, Arnold steps in to become sort of this mentor figure totally for Harold. The, there's two, so there's two sides that I think are sort of interesting. Well, one of them is that it's just very clearly like a celebration of like diversity and a celebration of Judaism, which I think is kind of great. Yes. The second thing is there's like a point when you're talking about like hearkening back to like the olden times, whatever, and hmm. the rabbis explain to him like the importance of becoming 13 years old. Like when back in the olden days and 13 years old, like people were running communities was like a thing that he said. And then what you realize if you really think about it is that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Because people then may have grown up faster than people now because they had to. But the idea of a 13 year old still having all this sort of like the dissonance of being 13 years old where you have like these moments of brilliance and then you have like these moments where you're just a fucking baby. Yeah. And they are all existing simultaneously. The idea of what like a 13 year old at any time in history running a community is completely batshit crazy. Yeah. It's bonkers. Yeah. So I think it. it, Because their voice is still changing. (laughs) <laughs> like that's the only reason <laughs> well, no, but that's like the physical example yeah, 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 of totally like even you can say the most brilliant thing but you still sound like a baby yeah and and you know they, they can say well they had to do it and it was different then they matured faster all those things may be true that maybe they did emotionally mature faster because they just had to yeah and we don't have to now for mainly reasons of technology and um industrial revolution etc back then they didn't have those things those things hadn't happened yet and so And even at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, you'd have 13-year-olds working in factories. Right, right, right. But by the end of it, they weren't working in factories. No, I know. We've allowed children to be children. Right, right. Well, not everywhere, but most Mostly, yeah. Um, So even if it's true that these 13-year-olds matured emotionally faster, it doesn't change the fact that physically they're still going through... Well, even emotionally, there's there's a cap. There's like a point. Like, I I don't care no matter how much you've done... At the until you've become thirteen years old, like there are thirteen year olds that have like raised their own siblings because they have parents that are not around. And it's right? still screwed up. It's fucked up and it's wrong. And they're not probably good parents, but they're doing the best they can. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just that there's like a there's a cap because you only have so much experience yourself, and you have other, you don't have that much knowledge, so you can't compare like fill in the gaps with things yeah. you've learned yeah, 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 outside yeah. of yourself. Yeah. It's just yeah. So there's only so much good that can be done. So. It's great. Judaism seems great based off this episode. <laughs> but like giving community, uh, running a community as 13 year old, probably not a great idea. Not a great idea. And I, and that's probably been filtered out since if that was even a thing that happened and yeah. not just for the cartoon. And I think, I think bar mitzvah, the bar mitzvah experience is such a unique one in modern, in the modern era, because in every other way, when children become adults it's vague and spread out and over a long period of time and there's no explicit like you're a man now like that there isn't there isn't a a religious and intellectual and spiritual and communal 
experience for youth to to signify I am now a man. Now mm-hmm. there are a lot of and I say man, I mean woman. I like I, I yeah. I said that cuz that's my experience, but I really mean adult. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you and I had experiences like different graduations, many, you know, uh kindergarten, uh 6th grade, junior high, like <laughs> into, like greatest hits. <laughs> like uh, greatest hits, right? Um but not one of them is like you can't look at one and go, "That's when I figured it out," because that doesn't that doesn't happen. Well, and at, and at no point is like a crusty old man coming to you and be like, "This is the this is like what's going on. This is what is expected of you. Yeah, this is what right, the community right. yes, expects exactly, of you. Exactly. Like, yeah, you become like yeah, you become like a communal person. And, and, and you hope you hope that in these non-Judeo traditions, um, and to some extent, we are within that tradition. Even though we're not doing the bar mitzvah, there there are a lot of similarities. But you know, in the West, but um, the difference is there. Like you said, there's no old man saying this is what's expected of you, yeah, explicitly. And so there is something very wise and strong about that experience that isn't just a, 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 the base of our Western society. It also can be seen in ancient societies all around the world that there's there's this um, there's power in having an older person, whether it's your father or religious leader or community leader, whatever it, whatever it is in the ancient world, that's how young people were welcomed into adulthood. Totally. In a very explicit, specific way. I like the idea of the sort of progressive liberal parent as being like a complete reaction to all of this, Hmm. because you think of like the idea around like breastfeeding for prolonged periods of time now. Right. Mm -hmm. And, sort of having really loose education where like right. the kids basically just run around outside. Let them do what they want to do. Let yes. them be kids. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That whole thing. And it's, it's, but then protecting them from danger as well. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. Cause that the, all those are people that do this, like always have money or most of the time have a lot of money. Yeah. They're in very safe environments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep. but I like the idea of it and I'm sure I, I, I was not raised that way. So I don't know, but I'm sure there are times where you like learn things you know yeah, i'm guessing yeah. there's mm-hmm. like real learning that goes on of course but i think the rigidity of it um is just is like is the thing that's like gone away you know what i mean yep 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 um yep and and, and there are negatives to that experience too oh it totally yeah not, there's, kids... not, there's not a judgment yeah, yeah there, i just think it's interesting that they both like one seems almost like a reaction to the other yeah and i think you know we've seen a lot of the positives of that i think kids are more emotionally in tune than they were 100 years ago yeah. um i think I think kids uh, have more, even even kids in poverty have more time to figure out who they want to be. Now, obviously, the level at which that happens is going to be greater. Yeah, what you can do with that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But but even even for the most impoverished family, kids still have to go to school and, and until they're until they're eighteen, which is yeah. an ex, an exciting change that thirteen year olds in ancient. Israel totally. didn't get that experience unless they were um, uh, kind of set aside to to be. Uh, I, the men got that to an extent, um, but they ended a lot sooner. And they, unless they were set aside to be some sort of religious leader, it's likely that they didn't continue after they turned 13. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So another conversation we can have, which is more in the cr- like critical analysis that um, uh, critical theory direction. Um, so if we look at it from a deconstructionist perspective or a post-structuralist 
perspective, which we've talked about before, um, post-structuralists, they are interested in finding ways that the narrative um, uh, pushes up against itself and, and goes against the thing that it's... If the narrative is saying, this is the way things are, but then elements of the narrative go against that, deconstructionists like to call out that, um, I guess, mistake. And it may not even be an actual mistake. It may be part of the experience of reading the book. But um, the example in this, which obviously we're not doing a literary critique because this is a, a, a fully realized experience that includes sound and visuals and dialogue and music. Um, so it's not word for word a deconstructionist perspective, but um, I think they called out pretty well, both with Harold's behavior and his voice, kind of what we talked about that the, um, the way he's dressed, uh, his decisions that he makes, and then even his little bit at the very end that we talked about in the, in the scene uh, about the scene, um, the story that has been laid out this, um, by the rabbi, by this, uh, by the text, like the rabbi is the text. He explains the text thoroughly. He passes it on to this next generation, um, you are 13, you're responsible, you're an adult. And this, these are the ways that you do it. Charity, righteousness, and prayer. <clears throat> and Harold partakes in all those things. And yet he still hits this, um, uh, a barrier saying you can't rent this canoe. You're not old enough. And so in some ways, and I would love to hear from an actual critical theory student, um, or, you know, person of knowledge, if, if I'm reading this right, but it's, an interesting um, dynamic of two views going against each other, which is Harold's learning how to be a man, and but he is not a man, and and there are things that he's doing that prove that he's not a man, even though even though yes he's participating in righteousness, yes he's participating in charity, yes he's participating in um, uh, prayer, and so technically those things uh, let the viewer realize, oh, he's becoming a man, but those things are butted up against, um, his belly sticking out, his tooth sticking out, uh, like the reality of the situation, the the reality of it. Yeah. Like the lived experience, the thing as it's like living and moving. Right. Yeah. The stare, the story that the rabbi is telling is almost like too sterile where it like almost doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? There's, there's no like life and nuance breathed well, into it's, it. Well, it's not possible for Harold to meet those expectations. Totally. And, so, and nor anybody else nor is anybody what you else. realize. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so there is, um, there is a, you know, there's a stream pushing against the river of the bar mitzvah. And that stream is just reality, I guess, uh, which is adulthood is way more nuanced. So I think. Well, and I think the way that you, the way that it's told by the rabbis, this entire thing is extremely linear and you realize that it isn't at all. Right, right, right. It's actually very fractured. And there's like points of where it, what you're saying is like the, the, the expectations laid out by the rabbi do at points intersect with reality. Yes. But there are a lots of points where they diverge. Exactly. And there's exactly. even dissonance mm-hmm, where it's mm-hmm. like the two yep, things yep. are actually oppositional to one another. Yes. Um, so, so when, when, um, and, and. And this is used for comedic effect too. So when when his mom says, "Look at our little man, I'm so proud of him," that's her attempting to fit into the narrative presented by the rabbi, which is, "When you do these things, you will become a man." And so she's fitting into the branch that's already been the stream that's already been made for her. But then Harold 
juts out from it in a way that's unexpected by yelling, ah, mommy. And so that, that irony is actually really funny and it's used for comedic relief. But what it's actually doing is it's, it's showing that the way you expect at least you're told to expect the narrative to go is not the way it's going to go. Well, and, and what's funny is that the use of humor in that way is almost expected yes. because that joke is so on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, so the play of humor in that way, based off everything you're saying, I think is completely in line with, I probably like a deconstructionist perspective, like the right, way right. that you structure humor and the way humor exists. Yes. Uh, um, you know, there are, and there are jokes even more specifically within the deconstructionist framework um, and I can't remember what it's called, but basically it's when a person tells a joke that's so common that the viewer thinks they know where it's going to go, but then they hang a left a left hook, um, which it's a well written comedy. Uh, not <laughs> yes, but some comedy some comedy is, is so on the nose. Yeah. Sometimes it is ABC. Yeah, yeah. But what's what sometimes is jarring and 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 it's kind of they I think they sometimes will call it anti comedy because it it isn't ABC. It's AB five. Which yeah, is yeah. not the way you totally. you think you know where the pattern's going and it shifts. Um and so sometimes the best comedy is gonna follow a more deconstructionist type experience. And and the reason that, that does fit is because those kind of anti comics, um, which would be like um Well Tim and Eric are like that. Tim and Eric, who's the guy who DJ draws Doug on Pam. um who draws on paper? Um Dimitri Martin Martin, is that what you just said? Oh no, no, DJ Doug Pound who works okay. Tim and Eric. Yeah. Um Dimitri Martin would be yeah. an anti comic. Um, and he's like technical in that sense of what you're talking about. Yes. Where he almost, they're almost, his jokes are always almost like math, math equations where it's literally like a B five or whatever. It, it, so he's so ex- explicit and specific that you really expect it to be C in your brain, but in your heart, you know, this guy is going to pull a five on me. Totally. Like, I know that. The Whereas the other comics, the whole thing is typically takes like a more surrealist bent. Right, right. Dimitri Martin plays with it, but it's very mathematical. Yes, scene. yes. But but all those guys would be deconstructionists because they're saying this is the joke. I, yes. I, I'm looking at the box of the joke and I'm breaking it down and I'm building it back up in a new way where you're not going to expect mm-hmm. where it's going to go. And I th- and and you know that that isn't. I don't think that's so explicit from these writers in this episode, but it's still happening in the well, story. Well, this this in that joke is an example. Almost isn't that way. Like it it, 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 thematically matches what you're talking about, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is like the thing, and then the joke is the fact that that thing is not happening in that moment. Right, right. But and, you, but you, but it's almost like that's the I don't know. It's like it's almost the rudimentary form of what we're all talking about in a humor in, in like yes. a joking way. And actually, that's the theme of this episode, which yeah. is um, uh, Harold is becoming a man. Except let's see the ways where he's not becoming a man. Totally, but. But on paper, he's become a man. Yeah, he, he's he's read the Torah. He has sung sung the prayers. He has um, st- stood up to be counted. Those things are technically he's he's done to become a man. And yeah. so, on paper, in the house of the Lord, he is a man. But we are seeing the viewers are seeing all the ways that he's not. Well, and in reality, like you, it's not that you reach the pinnacle of being a Jewish man. And then you close your Torah, you hand it to, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then Hopefully you walk away and you're like, going. all right, yeah, I don't have yeah. to do this anymore. Yeah. Like the fact that you continue, you're supposed to continue and engage in the religion and in the community, all those things is that it, 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 it right. points to the direct, the, right. the fact that it's a process. Yes. The whole thing is a process. Being an adult is a process. Growing up is a process. Yada, yada, yada. And so I think, yeah, it kind of shows it's like it 
the idea of being a Jewish man and growing up as a person and as a man, trying to do them as best as you can, mm-hmm. is that the entire thing is a process. That's, so religion and for secular folks as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the takeaway from the episode is, okay, like growing up is more complicated than you think. Yeah. Which is a lot of this show, um, which we've already talked about some of those episodes today. Um, this show has some more nuanced perspective of taking on responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. I like that a lot. I like it as well. It's it's a good episode. Um, it's maybe not great, and I say that because it's so laid out for us. I mean, the rabbi tells this story, and then Harold lives it, and it's very mathematical, totally. and it's it's lovely because he's entering into this parable that um, he's been learning. Uh, and it's nice to have Arnold there to explain it to him, but that makes it feel a little bit, um, like they have to pepper in jokes to make it more interesting because I think without the comic relief from Harold, you know, Harold saying like, like, Pooh, this hollow bread's filling me up or like, how many presents am I really getting? Those are funny and would make the episode and make the episode better because you expect him to say that. But honestly, he's like, like the perfect baby. He really is. You know what I mean? Like he everything really that like a, a primal person or a child would think and say. Yeah. Without a doubt. Like you could make it work with Gerald and Helga and Sid yeah. and, and Stinky, but they're not quite um, infantile enough to. <laughs> to really drive the point home. Right. Like, and and that's why there is, even with someone like, we got to bring up Trump. I mean, we're here, you know, we're talking, we're talking. <laughs> what? Not one episode has gone by. No, a couple episodes have, um, <laughs> but but the reason why he is so funny for um, the reason why he's so funny for like Saturday Night Live and sketch shows is that he's an infant in the office of the president, and I guarantee that if he was to resign or get impeached and Mike Pence was brought in um, to be president, it wouldn't be as funny because. No, it'd be just because scarier. He's, <laughs> regardless of... And I'm, we're not even talking politics. We're just talking about persona. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. If you don't persona like... Persona would be weird, too, because he's just... Pence is still a weird guy. Yeah, but he's but boring. He, yeah, yes. He, he's, not, he's not infantile. He's not yeah. He's not whiny. He's not um, needy for attention. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't other problems with him. He's vanilla ice cream with rat poison in it, is what he is. He's boring, but still terrible. Sure, but... SNL would not be doing as well. That's <laughs> no, 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 no. my my only point is. So them. it doesn't matter, regardless of, and that's the same issue between. Well, like th- that's why that's why Joe Biden was way funnier when they made sketches about him in yeah, yeah. SNL because he's like he's like the funny weirdo. Yeah, and Obama loose. is like actually pretty boring. Um, yeah, and he's uh, very deliberate. Yeah, the, the, like even the last thing that happened with Trump during the whole gun thing where he's sitting at that meeting and he like starts turning the tables on the Republicans. There's like something even in that moment where it, that's such a childlike thing to do mm-hmm. because he you're, doesn't. You're so afraid of the NIA. Well, it's a, you're so afraid. Yeah, he, he just <laughs> wanted a moment to like act up and get like a rise out of, you know, the people that yep. he's sitting across from. Yeah. He doesn't really care fundamentally about the issue because he doesn't care really about anything so it's not like he's like you know really sticking to his values and his ethics no 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 it's just him in that moment being a child and knowing that people will talk about it and it'll make these people uncomfortable and he's a troll and it's fun And look here's the thing not to not to stay 
too long on the 2016 election, but uh, it's been over a year. Um, both Pence and Kane are like so tied to their values. They're very value based, which is why I would rather have either of them in the presidency than Trump or Hillary, because they're tied. They're tied to their values in a, in a true way. They're real people. Now, I don't agree with all of, you know, we'll let you guess which one I'm not all into, but. Trump has no values. He's yeah. He's a, he 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 really is infantile. Yeah. And I don't think he ever got permitted. That's really the that's the problem. Yeah. Harold he needs, Harold a, he be a, needs a rabbi. He needs a rabbi. He does. Um. Okay. So we need to talk about cry of the week. And I'll, I don't think Arnold. I think Arnold played his part well. I don't think we need to complain no, about him. He's fine. I feel like he actually. He did the right thing. He did the right thing. Yeah. He. It's interesting. He's going through his own. Um parable of righteousness as he's mm-hmm. helping Harold out as he always does. I mean, it's easy. Yeah. For him. Um, that's why he, it would be a very boring episode. If he was going through the Burmese, yes. it would be unbelievably boring. He would just excel. He would that's do really why I well. think Arnold's the most boring character on the show. <laughs> Cause he's perfect already. Yeah. Or boring. So cry of the week. What do you feel? I think I know what you're going to say. So I want you to say it first. Whoa. Tell me what you think I'm going to say. I then... think, I think you're going to say when Harold bursts in with pride and, Oh, and glory. I yes, that's right. I had nothing planned. I don't know because I don't think anything is really sad in this episode. It's not sad, but it like it chokes you up because he he says it with such conviction. Yes. Rabbi, I'm here to be a man. That is my favorite part of the episode. So therefore, yes, you're it's it's right. it's a it's powerful. It's cute. It's very it's, sweet. Yeah. It's, and actually, even at the very 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 end of the episode when he starts dancing and he has that like oh, smile, that's a great moment. Th- too. Both those moments are. He's completely at peace with who he is, and he's... Just being a beautiful Jewish man. Yes. It's really lovely. Both those yeah. moments are great, and I would give them... I would give them three and a half out of five yeah. tears. It, it's not, like, blubbering is cry. Is this a collective cry we're doing right now? It's a collective cry. Nice. Yeah. Oh, would you agree? Three yes. and a half? Yeah. Yeah. We're in this together. All right. Perfect. Um, We do have a song. We, okay, so <laughs> just so we all... Just just reminder, we we like to do some kind of smooth jazz of the week. This um, one's pretty smooth. It is pretty smooth. Uh, I don't know if you need... It is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard is the band with a band called Mild High Club. They did an album together. And the album is called Sketches of Brunswick East. And the song is Dusk to Dawn. On, on Logan. L- Logan Street. Or Ligon Street? <laughs> I wrote it down weird. <laughs> on Ligon Street. Ligon Street. Um... Yeah, it's a good album. It's a great song. It's very smooth. As always. As always. Uh, stop what you're doing when you're done. Uh, finish the episode. Press stop. Put away your phone. Then take your phone back out again. Log on to iTunes. And please rate and review. Yeah, we'd we love to, to read. The, oh, I, you're all doing the stars, which is super great. It's great. We love the stars. But like write a little thing in there. You know what I mean? Don't Say just like, rate. No. Review. 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 Reviewing feels better. Even though rating is great, too. It is. Because we get to read it, and then we sort of get to feel good about ourselves. Yeah. It also and helps us get seen on iTunes. That's it really does. Yeah, that's the main thing. Because we just want to get famous or infamous or yep. infamous. Yep. And then if you're like a gold star member of the Harold Hay crew, you throw us some money at Patreon, which we have two gold star members so far. So don't make them feel so lonely. Jump in there. Yeah, we can't really do anything. I want to be able to say we have a few people that support us on Patreon. We can't do that. We're not at a few. We can yet. say a couple. Yeah, we can say a couple. Yeah, I want to say a few. Yep. Let me let me say a few. Um, 
yeah, thanks for joining us, and please come back soon um, to talk <laughs> about Hey Arnold, which is what we're going to do. Yeah, hang You'll out listen. with us. Hang out with us next week. On Hey Arnold. Hey. Bye. Bye.